Along comes Thursday for another chance at having a go as a 24-hour period. This time, it's December 10th, 2020, and we are now two weeks and a day until a Christmas unlike any we've had before. I'm Sean Tubbs, and this is the Charlottesville Community Engagement Newsletter and Newscast. On today's show, Albemarle and Charlottesville's police chiefs talk community policing. Author Matthew Desmond talks about evictions. More from Albemarle County's housing discussion from Tuesday. And Brad Sheffield leaves Jaunt. In today's Patreon-fueled shout-out, the Local Energy Alliance Program, your local energy nonprofit, wants to help you lower your energy bills, make your home more comfortable, and save energy. Schedule your home energy checkup to get started. Now only $45 for the city of Charlottesville and Albemarle County residents. You'll receive energy-saving products and expert advice customized to your needs. Sign up today. The Virginia Department of Health reports another 3,915 cases of COVID-19 this morning, and the seven-day average for positive test results is now 11%, up from 10.9% yesterday. To address the matter, Governor Ralph Northam will hold a press conference today at 2 p.m. to further discuss the worsening numbers. There have been two new deaths reported in the Blue Ridge Health District, with one fatality in Albemarle and one in Louisa. The total count is 84 deaths, and that's out of 4,335 statewide since March. The seven-day average for new cases is now at 85 a day in the district, which reported 97 cases today. That includes 42 from Albemarle, 23 from Fluvanna, and 17 from Louisa. As Charlottesville and Albemarle look forward to next year's elections, one theme will be the role of policing in the community. The senior statesman of Virginia invited the police chiefs of both jurisdictions to talk about the role law enforcement plays. Ron Lance has been Albemarle's chief since 2016. We went into this thing called geographic-based community policing in 2012 when I came here from Fairfax County. We divided the, the entire county, 726 square miles, into two districts. We assigned officers to the same beat, so they worked the same area every night. So they get to know the community, they get to know the business owners. Lance said calls for service initially went up on the idea that people would be more willing to reach out when they need assistance. Since the initial phase, our crime has gone down. Our violent crime is down some 30-some percent in the last three years. The other thing that it's done is reduce response times um, in the county because the officers get to know the area. They're working the same area. Rochelle Brackney has been police chief in Charlottesville since the summer of 2018, when she replaced Al Thomas, who resigned in the wake of the August 12th Unite the Right rally in 2017. Brackney said for her, community policing is about building relationships to help build trust. For me, I've been able to move away from the buzzword so that we don't find ourselves sitting in a space that we can never get out of, right, as we debate what the language means and the definition means. Brackney added that trusting relationships would eventually lead to the type of police services the community wants and needs. The challenge around all of these is that we've not come up with a certain metrics that is uniform across the nation to determine whether or not we're being successful. So the departments are often forced to create their own measures of success, like Chief Lance said. That may be an increase in 911 calls or a decrease in internal affairs or complaints about the community about engagement around rudeness, discourtesy, etc. The forum was moderated by Thomas Frampton, an associate professor at the University of Virginia School of Law. He phrased this question. 
across the country, there's been a lot of talk and discussion about whether or not uh, police have been given too many tasks or obligations to perform in addition to their main role of keeping uh, the community safe or maybe as part of their role of community safe and that there might be better entities or uh, personnel to address some of those tasks and obligations. Have you encountered that? Do you think that's fair to say about your own department? Thompson also asked if it was fair to suggest that police budgets be cut in order to reallocate financial resources to areas such as mental health services. Brackney responded that her department responds to all manner of calls, from loitering to welfare checks. So what's interesting in society is this. We um, identify a problem and then ask the same entities to find the solution to the problem. Right. So you just even said it yourself, Professor, you know, should the police do this and then should their budgets be cut in order to fund the new thing? Right. So I have to identify the problem and then create the solution, which puts it right back into the policing entity again to handle whatever those societal ills are. So, yes, they have absolutely been called to do um, many things. And I call it the, the we have the 911 bucket. When we used to say, don't put all your eggs in one basket, we put all of our 911 calls in one bucket and in one basket. If there is a societal ill that's out there that we have chosen to ignore and not fund, um, we've required the police to do it and not increase their budgets to do that. Chief Lance said he has been hearing the call to defund the police for the past several months. Here in Albemarle County, I actually track the mental health calls for service each month that my officers go to because that's a that's a piece of time that they're spending on each call, for example. And we're averaging 70 a month just in Albemarle County. I don't know if Chief Brackney tracks those, but we do. And what we're finding is that officers are spending anywhere from two hours to 25 hours on those. We had one that was 25 hours. That's no joke. So what we've started to do here, and we're in the infant stage, and it's going to be mandated to us, like Chief Brackney said, there are several things that we're required to do by law. But one of the things that's coming down the pike in the next two years is we are going to have to have a team that's got a police officer, social services. We have to have a policy in place where they go out to some of these mental health calls for service as a team approach, and not just the officer being primary. So I met with my command staff literally three months ago, and we're going to try to get ahead of the curve. We're already working on that process. Lance said Albemarle is working with Region 10 and Albemarle County's Commonwealth's attorney to find ways, but added that taking away from his department's budget would affect staffing abilities. He said the pandemic and the need to reduce human contact has led to more situations being able to be resolved over the phone. Being able to file a police report online is also cited as a benefit. Brackney added that the presence of police officers can increase tensions. The less interactions you have with a police officer, the less likely to have a negative outcome. Partly what we need to do is re-socialize the community, change the community's culture and expectations of what does policing look like and how do we renegotiate that social contract to get us to the place where policing is performed um, in a way that it's more high priority, high level um, public safety than it is with oftentimes social ills or, you know, quality of life calls that really we we don't have the ability to impact. The full recording will be on the Charlottesville Podcasting Network later this week. All across the country, there are Americans worried about whether they will be able to pay their rent or mortgage, and if not, they are concerned they will end up homeless. 
Last night, the Virginia Festival of the Book hosted Matthew Desmond, a professor of sociology at Princeton University and the author of Evicted, Poverty and Profit in the American City. Jane Kulo is the director of the Virginia Festival of the Book. In Evicted, Matthew Desmond follows eight families in Milwaukee as they each struggle to keep a roof over their heads. And he uses a combination of stories and data to transform our understanding of poverty and economic exploitation while providing fresh ideas for solving one of 21st century America's most devastating problems. Desmond said that the United States of America has a unique distinction, and he began his research by moving into a mobile home park. You know, the United States is really unique. It's the richest country with the worst poverty. Um, That's always troubled me. I know it troubles so many of you. And I wanted to understand the role that housing played in that story. And I thought that looking at evictions, looking at families physically, forcibly removed from their homes was a good way of, of going about that work. Desmond also lived in an inner city rooming house on the north side of Milwaukee. In both experiences, he followed the stories of people being evicted. And I knew that to understand uh, how the housing market worked, I needed to get just as close to the landlords, though, doing the evicting as I did with the, the tenants getting evicted. And so I did. And so I went to eviction court with landlords, too. And Desmond has also worked on an interactive website to track evictions called the Eviction Lab. He said rents have doubled over the last two decades, but incomes have not kept up. At the same time, government assistance has also not increased. So... You know, these are the kind of the three ingredients that lead us and push so many families right up to the knife edge of eviction. Nationwide, 3.7 million eviction notices are issued each year. Desmond said this is a sign of an unhealthy society. They're not just a condition of poverty. Eviction is also a cause of poverty. It's making things worse and it's leaving a deep and jagged scar on the next generation. So if we want to get serious about addressing inequality in this country, spurring mobility, making our society fair, then we have to address the affordable housing crisis. You know, without stable shelter, everything else falls apart. Desmond said that one step that can be taken is the hiring of more attorneys to help people fight eviction notices. Nationwide, the Centers for Disease Control has enacted a temporary moratorium on evictions. In Virginia, a budget amendment signed by Governor Northam in November requires landlords to refer tenants to the state's rental and mortgage relief program. The statewide moratorium ends on December 31st. You can watch Desmond's interview and conversation on YouTube. Albemarle's Board of Supervisors discussed a new housing plan with the Albemarle Planning Commission Tuesday night. The first objective in the draft is a statement that the county needs to build over 3,600 more homes than allowed under existing zoning. Albemarle only allows dense development in about 5% of its 726 square miles. Commissioner Karen Firehawk brought up the topic. I'm concerned about our willingness to approve uh, higher density, affordable uh, developments within the urban ring. There have been several that have been turned down. And um, if we are indeed committed to this, I think we need to rise above some of the concerns of some of the neighbors who have come and testified to the Planning Commission saying that they have their $450,000 house and they don't think it's right that someone might live across the street in a $250,000 unit. 
Commissioner Julian Bivens suggested that the supervisors could consider adding more land to the growth area, in part to support the county's economic development efforts. They will allow the county to say, if, we, if we're going to sort of ask and bring economic agents here, businesses to this community, how are we also going to bring, bring housing stock here or lift up housing stock so that the full range of employees can in fact live within a reasonable distance? Supervisor Diantha McKeel wanted to know how the plan acknowledged or accommodated the University of Virginia statement in March that they would build up to 1,500 affordable housing units on land that they own. They, they made that announcement in March, and we don't know very much about it. McKeel also suggested that the county could use about 50 acres of land that Albemarle has access to off of Burkmar Drive Extended. One idea would be to relocate maintenance facilities used by county school buses and then possibly build housing at the Lambs Lane campus where Albemarle High School and other schools are. It's available for us. We, have, we, we need to use that property, and it's in a, 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 an area where We have population, and we have transportation access now. I'm just begging us to think big and audacious here. We'll have more from this discussion in the next newsletter. The director of the area's regional transit provider has abruptly resigned from the position. The Daily Progress reports that Brad Sheffield will stop being the chief executive officer of Jaunt effective Monday. Sheffield took over the position in 2015 during his one and only term as a member of the Albemarle Board of Supervisors. During his tenure, Jaunt launched commuter routes, including one between Crozet and Charlottesville. This past July, they assumed management responsibilities for Green County Transit. Sheffield will be replaced in the interim by Karen Davis, the agency's chief operating officer. And that's it for this installment of the Charlottesville Community Engagement Newsletter and newscast for December 10th, 2020. It is a difficult time for many, and I hope that you are keeping safe. I hope that you are doing whatever you can to stay safe during what appears to be the worst part of the pandemic so far, with a lot more uh, to come. If you need any help or assistance, reach out to me. I'll see what I can do, which might just be listening. But um, if you have stories or anything that you'd like to express to the public, let me know. Drop me a line and we'll try to get that into a future newscast or newsletter. I'm Sean Tubbs, your host, and I'll be back tomorrow with another installment. In the meantime, I just said it earlier. Stay safe. Thanks for listening.